I want to know why my kids think this way. Like, why, why would you ask that? Not in a negative way. It's not like, what are you, stupid? No, it's really, why, why are you asking that? And then it's, dad, why do you think the way you do? And sometimes I think the way I do because of a hurt. Because I have walls put up. And these walls are shielding me from, from making a mess of my life. And sometimes their question is, when I'm asking them, why do you think this way? It's because they have a bunch of friends that think differently. And they're trying to figure out, how do I bring Christ to them? when the traditional church methods don't work. What's going on Unseen? It is great to uh, be back again with you guys for another episode. Um, Have you ever heard of that kind of TV show where it's like, uh, we are going to interrupt your regularly scheduled program and then they return. It's like, okay, already in progress. So me and Juan, we're already having like a really rich conversation um, about what we're going to touch on today. Really, the heartbeat of today's episode is um, the multi-ethnic church. Like, where is the multi-ethnic church? How do we discover it? How do we recover it? Um, and how do we create it in, in areas where it could happen, but it's not happening? Um, so me and Juan are just really, I just really want to press play on the conversation we just had, Juan. Uh, people, my bad. People, you want to um, you want to uh, introduce yourself, let people know uh, kind of what some of the things are going on with you in your world. And then I'd love to pick off pick up on where we just kind of left off before we pressed record. All right. Um, Juan Gonzalez, uh, father of five. <laughs> um, I'm married to an amazing woman, Idama Gonzalez, uh, who keeps me in check oftentimes. Uh, yeah, she keeps me centered. Uh, what my, my desire what what I'm really running towards is um working with uh my generation to younger generations, whereas uh we seem to have lost an identity. Um some weren't taught an identity, um, and some just lost it along the way. So just just to to be reminded of our identity, uh we were create how we were created uh fearfully and wonderfully made, and all our little nuances are are amazing so that aspect and then just the whole spectrum the color spectrum of of our communities and how beautiful it is instead of looking down on on diversities just actually building on the diversities yeah man um i love having conversations with you because um, i think that i'm pretty like unbothered and um uh like i'm cool to just like jump into a tenuous conversation but you embody that really well um so this is our last installation uh, of this of our series on seeing youth just speaking about our our one day where um we got a really cool chance to serve but also really dope things happened and we just thought man we we want to take a couple episodes to unpack what was that would happen this, we're recording this now mid-August. This happened back in June. It really um, was a lot to unpack, and it touches on so many things that Unseen is about, having the hard conversations, um, engaging in things that Jesus cared about, but that the church, as a church uh, we run away from because it's uncomfortable. Um, and I think dealing with diversity, multi-ethnic uh, culture as a fabric of you know people coming together to serve in one location is a big part of that. Um, so... The first part, I think, of what would be important to touch on as we kind of fold what we were speaking about off camera, off before we hit record, at least, uh, to yeah. to the one day, um, is talking a little bit about that question that was asked at the one day. Um, somebody, we had a panel, I mean, we had uh, all, a couple of us up there answering questions, and you took on this answer. Someone essentially asked you that this question, like, yo, how do I, how do I platform um an issue of 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 their church kind of running away from putting people who are of different ethnicities and empowering different cultures and platforming that's that 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 cause that is important because they don't see it as important they just maybe think church culture is important uh, but they don't see really 
people come in with so many backgrounds and so many pieces of their own culture that if they don't see it, uh, makes them feel distant and almost as if they feel like their culture and their identity is a mistake. So um, from what you could remember, I know this we're, we're a bit removed from it, but from what you can remember, and even just off the top of your head, um, how did you respond to that? Or how, how um, would you respond to that if anyone asked you that question, having that issue at their church? Um, the way I responded to it, I answered it with, with the response that I've had for a very long time, and it, it's going head first. Um, I think diversity is, is, is beautiful. But I also think that we become so accustomed to what we have, and as time goes on, we don't realize things change. So it takes the other side of us to remind us hey there's things going on that are important so the the i guess the biggest example i could use is when we first did it at our church um i was a youth pastor for several years with my wife and we saw there was a need there was there was a change in our community and the youth were really in trouble like there were so many things going on um drug use was going up at that time, it was crazy. Like teenage pregnancies were going up like crazy. Just overall, there was a lot of stuff going on in our community. There was a music festival coming up. And we forget this is the best time to actually take take advantage of this. We made a bunch of cards, a bunch of flyers, and we decided to turn our church into a club. <laughs> not to make not, not yeah. as a gimmick, but as a right. safe space. So it's called U-Turn at that time, Foursquare. Had this thing called U-turn, so we decided to, you know, let's try this. Um, youth were crazy about it. They went out and handed a bunch of cards, flyers. The band that we had ended up backing out. So my wife was uh, looking for a new group. At the time, one of the the hottest rap groups, Christian rap groups, out was Cross Movement. She ended up, I don't know how she located <laughs> or found, like somebody related to them that had his own group. Yeah. Uh, from an everyday process. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And she emailed them and let them know, look, we don't really have much money. We could we could get get some money up, um, but we really need uh, help in reaching just underserved and underserved community. Um, youth that need help. Yeah. And so they showed up. They, they didn't even question. And at the end of the night, they didn't even charge. They mm. took our food. They, they took whatever food we cooked, <laughs> uh, pastelillos and stuff, and, and they were glad. And then they came back the following year, and they loved on us the same exact way. It was something that we were doing for a while. And, and now at the time, I knew I might get into a mess because what we wanted to do was uh, completely, I guess, countercultural to what church should look like when you, I guess if you see like a rule book, almost. It's like, this is what a church service looks like. There's a, a worship, and then there's a message, and then there's a calling. Whereas we wanted to provide a safe space, something comfortable, something that there could be conversation, something that we could reach out to them and love them and have them feel so loved that that would change their life. Yeah. Now, recently I was reading up on, on Jesus saving and healing. Mm -hmm. And if you really go back into how it was written, the saving and the healing is all one word. Mm. Mm. So both of them are, are synonymous. So when he saved you, he healed you. Or when he healed you, he saved you. And if you really read along, Jesus, it says he healed everybody. Like if he were sick, he healed you. Yeah. So at the time, the healing came with salvation. So we're here to offer healing and salvation. Or salvation and healing. 
And if you look at how broken we are, I get, we have to go through unconventional ways. So the church is not really going to be appreciative a lot of it, a lot of times when we value tradition. Mm. So there's nothing wrong with tradition, but when we value it more than souls, then yes, there is something wrong with it. Mm. So if, if I can use an unconventional way to reach somebody and heal slash save them, I'm going to do it. Dang. And they, they may be upset with us about it, but our communities have changed in such a way that, I mean, could I keep going or do you have another yeah, question? No, no I okay. do, but I'm curious. I love, I love where this is going. Okay, perfect example. The church that we had, the one-day multicultural event, I was speaking to the pastors. Majority of their members, the parishioners, drive 20 to 30 minutes to get to the church. Mm. At one time, the surrounding area of the church was predominantly Anglo, predominantly mm -hmm. white. Mm -hmm. Now, they are anywhere between 60 and 80% Hispanic in that area. Dang. Yet, majority of their membership is not. So they're trying, they, they sit out front of the church and watch the kids come and go from school. Majority Hispanic. And that's why they opted to have that multicultural event because you're reaching out to the community that's there now. Mm. It's almost like we get so accustomed to something that we don't realize that the jeans that we're wearing are out of style. Dang, yeah. Yeah. Dang, I feel like, dang, there's a really cool illusion in there. It's a culture. So what I'm hearing you saying is like we're missing meeting people's very practical needs because we're trying to use old, outdated format to reach them. And going back to what you did with uh, the club U-Turn, um, that was something that felt very uh, dangerous to those who still lived in their tradition. Um, yeah. But you were meeting people's needs, one, because you were giving them a place to go that was engaging yeah. for them, that met, met that need of, man, I need something to do that uh, is, is fun, that is engaging. You met that need. But then they didn't even know, like, the saved and the healed part they were getting some of their spiritual needs met as well. Uh, mm -hmm. I thought that, I think that's really dope because I think the message in there for people who might have that question of the multi-ethnic church is to not be afraid to do what Jesus did and literally tabernacle with men. And like another way to say that is like to dress and to clothe ministry um, in a way that looks very similar to what a a person who was in the world would engage in, which is why people yeah. like cafes and clubs uh, the, in the form of ministry, because it, it it will reach people, but as they go to it, because well, it'll reach people because it's familiar to them, but as they go to it, it's like, oh, I get to hear about something that I would not have heard about in a, other club. People are talking about yeah. here. We have Christian performers. They're loving on each other. Like, there's all this like dope energy in the room. Like, so I could still feel like, okay, there's somewhere I want to be. I'm not bored. Exactly. I think a lot of our churches have that boring aspect to it. Yeah. Um, so it's like, okay, yes, we have that. We're being engaged, but it's like, man, along the way I'm experiencing like a spiritual dimension there, which is like super dope, man. Um, yeah. I, I love, if I, if I could, if, if we could pause yeah. real quick, cause I, I don't want people to think that I am anti, Tradition. For sure. I love tradition. Tradition has, has established who I am. For sure. But when it comes to tradition getting in the way of salvation, then it becomes an issue. Yeah. Um, we are supposed to change according to who, so, so that they may understand. Mm -hmm. You know, so who I am will always be the same my technique mm. will change to adapt the circumstance. For sure. But even while doing that, who I am is still the same. Mm. So my traditions have, it, it, and this is something I see in 
is valued in minority cultures where they're able to be strong in their community because they are who they are. They know who they are. Oh. Their parents yeah. really drilled that into them. This is who we are, and this is why we are who we are. Mm. But then when you have that knowledge of who you are and then that freedom to be who you are wherever you're at, mm -hmm. then you're really, really reaching out and touching. You're saying something, Juan. You're getting you're, – you're, <laughs> this always happens when I talk to you. Like you're saying something that has such a rich and d deep rabbit hole to it because it's like we are not, as Proverbs says, we're not moving the ancient boundaries. I mean, I think yeah. what, 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 it, what Proverbs means when it says that is do not throw away the, the baby with the bathwater, right? Exactly. As, as you're going in your own direction and the gospel is being, is again being uh, presented the same, do not lose the truth in the gospel as you are, as your culture moves. And as of course you are, you are inundated in your culture. Like I'm a millennial and I don't speak or think a lot of ways like those before me. Um, yeah. I don't move the truth of the gospel. The exactly. truth of the gospel stays the same. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is vital to not just the message that we teach, but the life that we live, right? Exactly. But in that, like, oh, I think the really cool thing that I'm picking up that you're saying is we could take that truth and act like act act like there's not a way that the gospel is contextual. The gospel is contextual to every different place. But if we yeah. just say, oh, no, it's just church. There's only a church culture, and the gospel has nothing to say or there's, has, no, has no way to tabernacle or to manifest in my culture, and I have to act like you because that's church culture, then a piece of my identity is given up, which is yes. why there's so many people who go into different other religions and other belief systems because they still get to keep their dignity in those religions and those beliefs. Exactly. They don't have to give up who they are as a black person, as a Hispanic woman, as a whatever. Like they don't have to give anything up in their culture. Whereas in church, sometimes we say, no, you can't bring that, that, that flavor in here. You can't yeah. bring that style of, of dress in here. You can't bring that speech in here because church culture has to look like this. And I, I like, I love what you said. I love that clarity. We're not bucking against tradition but we are bucking against man-made law that Jesus bucked against that turns yeah. tradition into the Bible because we, we know traditions were there for a reason and we definitely walk where, where the Bible speaks. We definitely walk there and coincide with tradition. But mm -hmm. I think where tradition can sometimes be oppressive um, is what well, we have to speak up and say, well, where's the gospel? Where's, the, where's Jesus in that if it really is muzzling people from being who they really are? That's exactly, what, which is, which is exactly what God Himself corrected Peter for. Mm. Like w w when the whole sheet came down, and he was told, "Just get up and eat," mm -hmm. and he said, "I can't do that. That stuff is unclean." Yeah. Wait, but God Himself is telling you to get up and eat. All of this is for you. Get up and eat. Mm. And it had happened several times before God told him, look, don't, don't call what I have cleansed unclean. Mm. Mm. So you look at that and it's, it's, we have a mentality oftentimes of this is the way it should be done. Um, I screw up a lot. <laughs> a lot um but i learned the most when somebody tells me um yeah you screwed this one up but why don't we try this it'll have a better outcome so along the way of me learning to do things like it's, it's like when i taught my kids how to ride a bike um i'm really big on teaching my kids how to ride a bike and then taking the training wheels off as soon as i could yeah <laughs> Right? Not because, yeah. oh my goodness, 
like I'll just adjust the wheels so they barely touch and then I'll push them later on and and they learn fast. Mm -hmm. But it's not so they could fall so I could teach them how to do it. Yeah. And along the way, when they make a mistake, I readjust. And if the wheels got to go back on, they got to go back on. But I will constantly readjust and teach them how not to make certain mistakes. Peter was so hooked on his tradition that he wasn't really paying attention to what God, what God was trying to tell him in his time. Something God was doing that Peter wasn't picking up on because of what was going on. And we were talking about identity and the collective we're in, the unseen collective. And it just came up. It popped into my head. I wasn't thinking about it, but it makes perfect sense to talk about it now. The aspect that the collective is amazing and is strong. But the only way the collective could be strong is if my identity is strong. So if if you have 10 people in a collective, for it to really work and be strong and life-changing, each person in that collective has to have a strong identity. Yeah. Um to know what the direct what direction God is leading them in. Um so so perfect example, my wife and I we disagree on on there's a lot of things we disagree on. I'm very headstrong. She's very like overall we're strong in our beliefs. But when we come together our ideas could be amazing. Mm-hmm. So I may be looking in a specific direction. Like um let's say we're looking at a building and let's say I'm looking at it from Main Street. I'm standing on Main Street, and this is what I see on the building. Juan's are standing in the alleyway in the back, mm-hmm. and that's what he sees. He sees the back of the building. My wife is standing on the side, and there's a bunch of windows, and she's looking in the building to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. We all have different views. Mm-hmm. It's the same exact building, different views. So what our plans would be on whatever we're doing with this building, we have to come together to figure out, okay, how are we going to make a plan of attack? You know, just overall, what do we want to do and how do we want to do it? Hmm. Sometimes we're going to need a a drone overhead Hmm. to show us the landscape. Yeah, yeah. But we need different views. It's going to sound silly, but um, this reminds me of that movie Vantage Point. I think it came out like early 2000s. It was about the president getting assassinated. Yeah. Um, You had like five different people's perspective of what happened, like when the shot rang off. Yeah. And people ran down which way. And you Mm -hmm. didn't know. And anyone who didn't see that movie, it's a really good movie. So you should watch it. So I won't give away what happens. But um, you really have to piece together everybody's perspective to get to the truth, which like is exactly what you're saying. Like because there's truth in every culture and truth in our identities um, are so closely uh, related. We have to know like who you are because we need all of you. Yeah. I need all of you people. I need you to like have done the work to excavate your own life and to know like the beauty in your own culture and bring that to the table in the collective because we are better with your voice, but we're better with, your voice healed went back yeah. to what you're talking about with jesus like you're we're better with you and the holy spirit after the holy spirit has done some work in you and if i if i'm bringing half myself to the table which is something that we've actually had a conversation around like yo yeah a, if you don't bring all of your anointing we're not as strong as as you need to like well ty confronted me on that like yo you need to you need to stop holding back you have some anointing that you're holding back yeah. so if i haven't done the work within myself the groups that the groups that I'm involved with miss out because they're not getting your full self. Exactly. And and if we could just pause real quick. Yeah. To what you just said. I have to bring all of myself, but here's the thing that I'm I I'm learning as well. I don't have to be perfect. Mm, word. There's still things that I know I need healing in. But I know I need healing in these areas and I'm working on them. So what I can do, I'm going to do to my best 
everything that I can do, I have to do <clears throat> as best as I can. Thousand percent. Knowing that I'm still working on this area in my life, but also be honest about that. Mm. Because I have people that are in my corner working with me in my weakness. Mm. So in my weakness, he is strong. Yeah. Right? But we're also prepared. I always go back, and, and, and this is my favorite. I think it's my favorite part of the Bible, and it has nothing to do with me, and it has everything to do with a specific scenario. But it's like, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you, mm. you know? That's insane. Yeah. So it's like, he knew me. He knew all my, well, it was not written for me, but he's not just going to create one person that way. Right. You know, so overall, he knows all. He knew what my weak points would be, what my strengths would be. Um, there was a lot of my quirks that I didn't like, but a lot of those quirks make me the person I am. Mm. Yeah, man. A lot of those things I, I, I was not comfortable with about myself actually give me a strength and make other people comfortable because they have those quirks. And if I'm able to go further and be strong in my, what would be seen as a weakness to others, if I'm able to do that and be open about it, how many more people am I going to be able to help? when they see that they have a weakness too and they can be strong through that as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah, man. Um, perfectionism kills. I think perfectionism has entered into the church and has killed a lot of people from doing new innovative things yeah. um, that will bring a multicultural, multi-ethnic um, body of people. Uh, yeah. Because every culture has its own way to be like, to have perfectionism. Like, we can talk for days, especially from our own, like, ethnicities. Um, but, like, Haitian culture, for example. Yeah. We have the perfection of presentation in a certain way where, like, my, um, I remember growing up in my family. And um, this is true for many other cultures, but this is how it manifested for us. Um, my parents were divorced for uh, three years before they were willing to show it to anyone um, because in Haitian culture it's it's a shame to get divorces which is actually partly Christian culture too um, but um, like there was there's so much shame that comes with divorce so for three years we we presented in public as if they were together so like they would ask them questions and it was like yeah things are great at home oh, though man. my dad was living with us and you know, to my mom, it was like, yeah, you know, she's happy. She's fine. She's awesome. though no, she wasn't. Um, and it had, went on for years because of the shame of their of them not being able to just tell the reality of their full story. Um, so I like that. Like, even as we are in process, and even as we aren't fully there, we haven't fully arrived, we need to be honest. Because God, the Holy Spirit only works with our honesty be honest about where we are so that he can meet us in our journey and walk us through whatever season we're in. I, yo, I don't even know how to respond to that, bro. Oh my goodness. So, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's so right. That is so right. And honestly, shame culture has no room in the church. Mm. There's no space in the church for that. Um, and you, you see that throughout scripture and, and everything <sighs> and everybody Jesus met along the way, like their lives were screwed up and along his way, he purposely ran across people along their way. Mm, yeah, yeah. So in their shame. He made it a point to cross paths with them and save slash heal. Mm -hmm. 
and it it wasn't a it it was a a, a okay time for you to pick up your bed and walk. Mm-hmm. Keep it moving. You're good now. You know, go and sin no more. We're good now. Yeah, right. It wasn't. I'll be checking up on you. It was. It wasn't a shame thing. Especially when they they knew that he knew them. Right. Yeah. It's like, God, you you know me. You know how screwed up I really am. And, and you choose to love me anyway. Hmm. And oftentimes, because of the shame culture, we don't really feel forgiven. Dang. Oof. But it's just a shame culture. It's not a biblical culture. Mm. So it's like sometimes we need to put that biblical culture on top where it should be and realize there's forgiveness and there there's healing and deliverance. And you don't have to think about that anymore, which is I mean, really, you think about how many people are, are ashamed of things that they have no control over. People that are ashamed of, of, of being abused. You know, verbally, physically, yeah. sexually. Just you look at all those, right? Mm-hmm. And they carry a burden of shame when it's not their burden to carry. Mm. And... I guess it's hard because, and I'm not saying the church is doing a bad job of it. At times we do, Mm. but the world that doesn't know Christ is used to shame. Yeah. And they have so many ways of hiding that shame and covering that shame. And before it used to be easy to um, not decipher. But there wasn't so much going on before. Hmm. We knew the basic things that would happen, right? There was a group of things, a group of sins, whatever. Now things are so crazy. Yeah. And and whereas before our young people weren't attacked or hit as hard as they are now, right now it's all on our young people. Because I and I think because of the a lot of the older generation, though they know and are solid in who they are, did not relay that to the younger generation. Mm. It's It was a do as I say, but I'm not really going to tell you why we are who we are. That's real. Just follow along. I don't want you to fall, so just follow in my footsteps. Why not build them up to be like Christ, as I am like Christ. So they don't need to be a clone of me. They need to be a clone of Christ. Yes. Which means possibly stepping out of a pattern because, like the Bible said, along the way to wherever he was going to do something great, he did something great along the way. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're saying to embrace and to to I think to capture a a, a, ch- a church that is healthy that is multi ethnic multi cultural multi generational you have to embrace mess because uh, a lot of that will come with <laughs> yeah non cookie cutter answers and things that honestly don't really have uh, easy simple one two three mathematic formulas to them right. Um, coming up with new ministries, just in a practical way, coming up with new ministries to reach youth is hard. Finding something that will be engaging, not corny, um, not bubblegum, will actually be engaging for a youth to come to while making sure it's still spirit-filled is difficult. But that's our charge. Like That's what we're charged to do as we're, as we're kingdom building. So to use the Holy Spirit to help us fuel creative, innovative ways to reach people. 
Um, so on that note, man, I want to pivot to something else we were talking about before we hit record. Oh, so you want to pivot? After, wait, after you say what you said, now you want to pivot? <laughs> There's just too much, Pete. There's the whole embracing a mess? You can't just pivot from embracing a mess. That was like, that was, you could, I couldn't have said it any better. I wasn't even thinking that, and I couldn't have said it any better. I mean, it, because it is. It, it's, it's a bunch of people who may think they know each other, but have to work harder at really knowing specifics, nuances. Bro. Why? I want to know why my kids think this way. Yeah. Like, why? why would you ask that? Not in a negative way. It's not like, what are you, stupid? No, it's really, why, why are you asking that? Mm, yeah. And, and then it's, Dad, why do you think the way you do? And sometimes I think the way I do because of a hurt. Because I have walls put up. And these walls are shielding me from, from making a mess of my life. And sometimes their question is, when I'm asking them, why do you think this way? It's because they have a bunch of friends that think differently and they're trying to figure out how do I bring Christ to them mm. when the traditional church methods don't work mm. in that area. That's fascinating. I would love to hear more about how your kids are trying to reach their their friends, their peers, and what new ways the Holy Spirit's working through them. To try to read in, in a world that is only getting more and more like convoluted and hard to navigate. Um, what is it? What conversations are you having with your kids who are believers doing their best to represent Jesus? Oh my goodness, that's the weird <laughs> part. I am allowing them to ask me and disagree with me. Mm. That part was tough for me mm. because it's like, you know what I taught you. <laughs> this is how a Christian is supposed to behave, right? And then I see their friend groups. He brings his friends from college on his way to play basketball. They stop by the house to pick up some of his stuff. He's got he Buddhist, Muslim, um, um, Christian friends, like a whole friend group from school that they talk. And I know in school. He's part of a, 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 a Christian club, but then he has these friends and he's trying to speak life to them. Mm. And then he has questions as to, okay, but why do they believe this? And why do they believe this? Why is this so similar to Christianity beliefs? Mm. And it's like, oh man, th this is getting real. My kids are adulting. And how do I get into this? I can't just hit them with, with because I said so. Because yeah. then they don't really know why they believe in Christ. Mm. So I am allowing them to have an experience with Christ for themselves. So I, I, I push them to have an experience with Christ for themselves. Mm. And speak these experiences to the friends that they're coming across. Mm -hmm. But then I have to be an accountability partner for my children. Make sure that they're strong. Mm -hmm. Make sure that they're doing okay. Make sure that whatever I could pray with them, pray for them. Um, maybe have a conversation that I may not fully agree with, but at the end of the day, they're making a lot more sense than I am. Dang. That's <laughs> happened. And, and I like, it's like, okay, you know what? You're right. You're right. Um, sometimes apologizing to my kids for overreacting on something. Mm -hmm. I learned that a long time ago from my mom. Just sometimes I just need to apologize. Sometimes I acted dumb. Sometimes mm -hmm. I spoke in a way I shouldn't have. And, and I need to apologize. Mm -hmm. And so th those are ways that because everything around me is changing and because I am getting older and more of the people around our area are their age, they know what's going on more than I do. So sometimes right. I need to get the information from them. Right. And sometimes I just need to let them work okay. and see God work. That part is hard. Watching God work 
in my children's life is harder because God gave me those kids to care for. That's not, that's the thing. It's like, I'm dad. I'm the protector. I have to shield. But then I also have to let go and let God work and believe that what I taught was godly and see it flourish. Mm. Hmm. You're living real time, man. The stuff that you were just talking about when you were coming into ministry, you you faced the question, yeah. the new strategies, the yeah. This looks too close to the world. Like mm -hmm. this is like a full circle moment. It is, especially when they tell me, "Dad, you don't get it." Like <laughs> what? Dang. And and I try, I try, like. I really try to get it. And I know there's still things that just pass by that I don't get. So I need them to remind me, Dad, you're not seeing this. Like between between our last time that we spoke mm -hmm. and this time, I lost another friend. Dang. 30 years old. We don't know if it was drugs or not. Dang. Went to sleep did not wake up mm. this was mid this was 5 30. 5 30 in the afternoon um month before that i had a cousin went to sleep in the night did not wake up in the morning they don't know what happened so last year i lost i lost a foster brother mm -hmm. to, to a drug overdose um, things are moving so fast in our communities. We do not have the time to fight. Mm. We don't have the time to, to constantly disagree. I could disagree with you while I'm working. Let's work. We'll figure it out along the way. Mm. I may I not fully agree with you. Let's work. Along the way, we'll settle it. There's mm. things that are more important than our disagreements. Dang. If my kids, if this young generation is saving people, let them save them. Mm. Let's iron out the wrinkles along the way. Because if I let my kids do something for the Lord, and I see, okay, you could have done this better, you could have done that better, I'm going to cut. I have to congratulate them first mm. on being bold and living for God. Yeah. And then in the proper time with wisdom, say, why don't we try this next time? Mm. It'll be a little bit easier. You're living now. You're living the messy in real time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Juan. That, that's really rich, man. I hope that that's hope for for people overhearing this conversation man because as a young one as a young father this is really edifying me because i can't even like i'm already i work with youth um, in my program so i'm already feeling old and hearing the things that they're engaged in and it's not a christian one but i find myself um, in that program and in uh youth pastoring speaking to kids and getting that perspective like oh snap yeah i'm aging and i have to in aging, sometimes you could, because some things worked for so long um, in, in, in however long I've been working with kids, like you, you get the temptation to buckle down. Yeah. Say, nah, this is the way that works. This is it. This is the formula. Mm -hmm. When that formula becomes like so dogmatic that you don't even, your heart becomes hardened to anything else. That's when we're in danger, man. So See, I'm now that's. Go ahead. That's real time. Like, like you're talking about real time. What you're just saying literally just happened. Like <laughs> two days ago, we spoke about it, but let's, let's talk about it again. Um, took the youth to camp. Um, some young boys decided to be disrespectful to a few females from our church. I have zero tolerance for disrespect. Mm -hmm. Zero from male to female. Mm -hmm. I believe, and I don't believe the women are weaker. I still believe we should treat them as fragile vessels. You look at the Proverbs 31 woman, she was a whole businesswoman. Mm -hmm. A whole businesswoman. 
She did everything. Um, the Bible tells us that God created an equal help, a partner for man. So she's not less than. Right. But I am still supposed to treat her as a fragile vessel. She's precious. Yeah. Not that she's weaker, but I am supposed to treat her with the best care that I could possibly give her. So that's what I try to teach young men. Mm -hmm. These young boys weren't really displaying that. (laughs) I was upset. So I waited around, had the meeting. I said, you know what? I think think it's time we send these boys home. But I also said, I'm probably speaking out of anger. Yeah. Take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt. We could pray about this. We could talk about it tomorrow. This is my decision now because it's how I've always run camp. Every time I have camp, I'm very, and if I didn't do it myself previously, where my kid acted up and I drove three hours to go pick her up, then I wouldn't be expecting this now. Mm -hmm. So we did that. Um, Morning comes. I had the bright idea to call my wife and ask her for her advice. Oh, yes. So she didn't jump on my bandwagon. (laughs) And she said something along the lines of, I think, well, after she spoke to my daughter, she said, "Have have, have her call me and we'll talk about this. And... She wanted to get my daughter's perspective on it. Then she called me back and she said, you know, I, I think, I think we need to show grace. <laughs> and that sort of bothered me a bit. I said, wait, you're not getting me. I, I, would you like me to repeat the story to you? <laughs> right. And I told her, look, I, you, you know, I have an expectation of respect to women. And she says, yeah, and I do too. But respect is taught. Mm. And if these young men never had anybody to teach them respect the proper way, and we're just shooing them off as the church, we're shooing them away and not teaching them how to respect in love, we're wrong. Mm. Mm. So I then went and met with the camp pastors said, you know what? Um, I spoke to my wife. She made a lot of sense. I may not agree with what I'm saying now, but I think we should let the boys stay. Mm. Um, I was still a little bothered. I can't say I really loved on the boys right away. Mm-hmm. I, I still gave them a little side eye. That's real. Um, and the last night of camp, I'm sitting behind the drums and I'm playing and I couldn't get my mind off of them. Like they're sitting in the front row and I couldn't get my mind off of them. So after worship, I'm walking around as the message is going on and I just started praying for them and like really hurting, like hurting. Mm. Wow. What the heck is going on? During the calling, I'm playing again. see one of the pastors praying over them and these kids one by one are like dropping on their knees and bawling Mm. and God's like putting in my heart just put your sticks down and go do what I'm telling you to do (laughs) you've been supposed you were supposed to pray for them in the beginning go Mm. pray for them yeah so I went and I prayed for the one and the pastor said no I need you to go pray for that one over there Mm. And I go over to him, and all I could pray over him was love, Mm. and not knowing how much they're loved, how much God loves them. And this kid is like bawling and sobbing uncontrollably. And I almost let myself get in the way. Of their deliverance. Dang. 
So, yeah, it's like we have kids now that are coming up so fast. Yeah. And the enemy is jumping in their path so early. Yeah. And because of my tradition, I almost let salvation go away. Dang. You are, that's a sermon, dude. Uh, bruh. You had to get out of, your, you and your tradition had to get out of the way so Jesus and his truth can make the impact that they were, he was trying to make all along. Like that's, that is the, that is the picture image in a very practical way of how to create a multi-anything church. Because anytime you add multi-anything, you're going to deal with the mess we spoke about. And that yeah, church, yeah. you just explained, like, the multi the church that has two people who aren't of the same period, the same age, background, country, fill in the blank, mm-hmm. there's going to be that tension there. And what we have to do is submit our own prerequisites, our own, uh, our own background, sometimes the things that we value more than Jesus. So that, and once we put all those things down, it creates a path that we could actually meet in, bro. Like, uh, yeah, I, it, and it was weird as I'm praying for them, right? Mid service. Yeah. I'm praying over them and I'm still seeing them talking, laughing amongst each other. Like mm-hmm. mid-service sort of being, you know, low-key disrespectful at a time. Yeah. But then I would catch them listening. Mm. And then they would fool around a bit, and then I would catch them listening. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I don't got to pray over them. I mean, I'm praying for them as a group mm-hmm. to the side until God put it over me and says, look, you're not doing what I told you to do. Mm. And, I, and I consider myself... Somebody who is okay not holding on to all my traditions. Mm-hmm. I'm okay being open. Or so I think. And God let me know then it's like, no, you're still, you hold on to things. We all hold on to things. Yeah. And sometimes those things get in the way. The way we are going to have to deal with this generation is with a lot more understanding and knowing that they may not have been taught nearly as much as we were taught. They weren't loved nearly as much as we were loved. Yeah. And the devil got to them way too early and interrupted their life way too early. And now they're hurt is in the way of anything that we may be trying to teach them. Jeez. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I, I can't fully process everything you're saying. <laughs> like, all of this is like its own episode that we need to unpack. The only reason I could process this because it happened to be this weekend. Like, these are the things that God really hit me over the head. It's like, it was youth camp, but then it was a camp individually for me. Mm. It's like, yeah, I want the youth to learn this, but I have a whole set of lessons for you. Yeah. Okay. I, um... I have nothing more to add. Well, I think that was that last few, like last two minutes and a half that you just shared. <sighs> yeah, we're gonna need to clip that and put that on IG. But on top of that, even deeper than that, I really hope. I really hope. My prayer for anyone listening to this is that that would you would you would literally embody that because, like, as as you say that one, I'm thinking of my own things that have gotten the way of the way that I've gotten the way of people's healing because of my formulas and my traditions, uh, my bad traditions, they put it that way. Um, 
Yeah, and you're messing me up. So I gotta announce the admin. Um, is there anything you want to end with before we wrap? I thought we were gonna talk about the whole multicultural aspect, bro. I there's a lot of things when I get with you, I think we're gonna get to, and then you're right. Nuggets. There's so many nuggets. You're right. Um, well, I guess that's the beauty of having different mindsets mm-hmm. and valuing the a different mindset. Yeah. Like in the conversation, you always say something that's going to get me thinking in a different way than I was actually going. It's like, I know what I'm going to say next. And then you say something and say, no, I'm not going to say that exactly. because he just opened my eyes to something else. Vantage point. It's vantage point all over again. We yeah, exactly. We need each other's perspectives, man. For, honestly. Yeah, and I we guess that's that. the value in it. It it it, it comes it comes with valuing that person enough to know that they love you enough to speak truth that's valuable, not just nonsense. Just speak truth that's valuable. Right. And, and and it's going to get you to see things in a way where you could either change what you're doing or you could add to what you're doing. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Um, I'm better with your voice in my life, Juan. I appreciate your voice. Um, I definitely appreciate your voice in, in the collective and uh, the tension you always bring. Um and the truth you always speak. And yeah, get you a people in your life, yo. <laughs> You'll be better for it. <laughs> for your time, bro. I really do. Uh, we'll we'll have to do, we have time, of course. We're going to have to do a, a, another part to this. Oh, we yeah, definitely. To, we have to. The multi-generate, the, what are the multi-church? Like, that, to keep this conversation going. That should be a segment. I, I really do think <clears throat> having a specific segment that we always freshen up on. Yeah, yeah. Because it is so important in today's generation. Like like I was telling you, you know, w- with Texas now being majority Hispanic. Mm, yep. Things are changing. And not speaking about the change also means falling behind. Like, why aren't we ahead of the curve? Like, why do we want to stay stuck on something and not be ahead of the curve? Like, it, it, it's kind of like, okay. <laughs> it's it's kind of like, um, <clears throat> I don't know if you, your culture is like this. I know the Hispanic culture loves to work, like the Hispanic church culture loves to work for God, right? And a lot of Christians believe I could work for the Lord and, and be really, really busy and God will take care of my children. Mm, wow. God will take care of everything around me because I'm doing God's work. I agreed with that to a point and then I realized in reading that God never took my responsibility away as that. Mm, yeah. So yes, I'm calling you to this over here. You still have to be a dad, not a, not just a father, a dad. That's good. So everything that encompasses you being a dad, playing, talking, being silly, having my daughter do my hair in ways that I don't like, <laughs> um, hanging out with my sons, and sometimes just being tired, coming home tired, but knowing that I gave them all of me. Yeah, because I believe my first ministry is building a family that loves God. Mm-hmm. If I'm building other people to love God and my family doesn't even know how much I love them, Dang. I'm doing it wrong. Mm. So it's almost like expecting God to take care of everything on my behalf and do all the little things I'm supposed to do here because I'm doing his greater work. When he already gave me what was that? Can I ask you a question regarding that? Yeah. Do you th- is that a spoken or an unspoken rule in your culture that if I do all this work for the Lord, God will take care of my kids? Do you, have you like heard that? Oh, no, it's very spoken. It's very, very spoken. spoken. 
Interesting. Yeah. It's very spoken. I'm working for the Lord. I trust God. He's going to take care of my family. Wow. But in a way, they don't, it's weird. They don't really mean it in that way that they're going to be careless with what God's given them. But I'm busy working for the Lord. I trust he's going to take care. But a lot of times the care aspect that belongs to me gets handed off to God. It's like he's a babysitter at times Mm. where if I'm working for the Lord, I'm going to work alongside of my family. Guys, we're going to go do this for the Lord. Come with me so I can show you why we love the way we love. Mm -hmm. That's how I learned how to really love others Mm. because that's how I was taught. I was never really keen on, I'm just going to work for the Lord and not include my family in everything I do. Everything Mm. I do, my family's included. Mm. They may not always be there all the time, but if I really believe in God so much and love God so much and love others so much, I need to teach my kids how to love. I need to first off teach my kids that I love them like crazy. There's no other way. Like to explain to them how much I love them, show my wife that I love her. I mean, look at the divorce rates in the church through the roof. Yeah. It's crazy. And it happens. And the thing is, God is like, it hurts him. That split hurts him because Mm -hmm. he views the church as his bride. Right. So that, that aspect hurts him. So it is my job to love my wife. It is my job to treat my wife as a fragile vessel. Mm-hmm. It is my job to not let anything hurt her as much as, as, much as I can. It is yeah. also my job to shelter or protect my kids, teach my kids. But it is also my job to send them out. It is also my job to view my wife's strengths and push her to use them. Mm. Because that makes my wife's strengths make me a better man. Mm -hmm. My children, and I think we spoke about this last time we met, where it says, you know, they're like arrows in a quiver. Right. You don't keep an arrow in a quiver. You send it out. Dang. True story. It does a job. So it attacks and defends. True story. But I'm not the one. They're doing their job. I'm sending them out to do their job, to do the job that God has for them. So sometimes I just... I have to use them Mm. as God intended, not exploit, not Mm -hmm. just shove them to the corner, Mm. prepare them and let them be used by God. Dang, yeah. Which is full circle because like I've shot an arrow before, Uh, not like in the, in the woods, like as a Tarzan beast, but um, like going to camps and having that experience there's a lot of pain that comes with it. And it's a mm-hmm. training. It, you need some training before you actually yeah. put at that joint. Um, you have to like be steady. That. You got to be, you got to aim. That's, you got to pull back the bow, which is very painful. The bow will come back and slap you on the wrist. Like that. there's so many dynamics to it that um, isn't just as cute as it seems. Like, which goes back to both what you, what you mentioned with it being just such a... A, a tense thing to be in the position you're in now that you were in at your age to see your kids being released and having to like trust the Lord working in them and have to trust that though they're doing it very different than you the spirit's still leading them like yeah. all that is part of the the tension the accuracy the discipline of stretching back and releasing them like it comes with it's not just like a cute little like a shooting a gun like psh, all right, moving, moving along like 
it takes a lot of attention, focus, and strength to do. So I commend you, bro, to have five kids that you're intentionally discipling that yeah. are in a different generation that you're in t- that you're doing what you're doing with them is I appreciate that. I appreciate your your story and the level of intention you're giving to your kids. There's so much. I, th- I think we're going to have to leave the rest for the next one. But you you did it again. It's like I wasn't even thinking about the whole steadiness and it's slapping you back in the arm and and, and then touch. I mean, I'm, I was thinking about my kids' arrows and sending them out and their job. I wasn't even thinking about everything I have to do to send them in the correct, you know, bro. direction. Bro, the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. It's only right that we end this way, though, because one, this series has been so rich and we have to end right. Like, we have to end this. One of the- <laughs> yes. As the it's the longest one. This is easily gonna be the longest one, hands down. But it's it's gonna be the most, I think, nutritious for people, practically helpful for people, and it'll have a cliffhanger because we definitely gotta do this again. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> definitely, bro. I appreciate your time, man. This anytime, man. I love this. <laughs>